Welcome to Building the Oracle, a podcast about two dudes building a publishing house and film studio from the ground up with nothing more than an avocado and some untoasted bread. I'm your host, Jay Swanson. And I'm Richard Bilkey. And today's guests are a smattering of people that I was fortunate enough to sit down with at Confusion in Novi, Michigan, which I apparently was saying wrong the entire time I was there. I was saying Novi, and you're going to hear that in the episode as well. I'm sorry, Michiganians. I'm not perfect. Today, we're dropping a special bonus episode, which is dedicated to the sci-fi and fantasy convention scene, a scene that is a lot older than you might think, and, like any aging institution, is currently undergoing some pretty big shifts in concentration and demographics. I was less interested in that on this trip and more in tapping into what makes a convention experience worth the time, energy, and expense. I'll share my own story and thoughts at the end of this episode with Richard turning the tables on me a little bit, but attending conventions around the country as I developed my own fledgling career was very important to me in a number of ways. And I was curious about what kept other writers and publishers interested and involved. And since we're recording a few episodes with some of the people you'll hear in just a minute, I figured we should take advantage and make a little variety show for you that will come in three parts. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to join Jay at Confusion this year, but as he said before, I'm going to turn the tables on him at the end and interview him about his experience with conventions and what he got out of uh, this particular trip. And what we think we should do moving forward, of course. But before we dive into today's conversation, I want to give a quick shout out to my patrons who even made this episode and the others that we recorded while we were in Novi, Novi Possible. Sorry, Michiganians. I'm going to be so self-conscious about that for the rest of my life. Their belief and support of our projects uh, has really been the linchpin in successfully executing on what would otherwise be completely impossible. So thank you, patrons. We, we could not have done this without you, quite literally, and so we wanted to take a moment to shout you out. We'll talk more a couple of episodes from now about opening a Patreon specifically for this podcast and the associated ambitions, for those of you that are itching for that. And we'll also talk about Patreon much more extensively with Cameron Hurley in an episode that will drop in a couple of months. You'll hear her on today's episode a little bit as well. But if you've ever wanted to support the work that I'm doing on YouTube, or this podcast and everything else that we're building, then consider becoming a patron today at patreon.com slash jswanson. With that, let's hear from some friends of the pod, both new and old, on what makes attending a convention so worthwhile. I'm joined now by Elsa Hunason and John Wiswell. Elsa is a deafblind Hugo and Aurora award-winning editor whose work has been featured at Uncanny as co-guest editor-in-chief of Disabled People Destroyed Science Fiction and Fireside Quarterly. She's also accompanied by her service dog, who will only be referring to as Space Dog for the duration of the pod, but I can assure you that he's an adorable black lab who is a very good boy. Very tired, sleepy boy in the corner, too, just like Gustav. He'd fit right in. Hi, Elsa. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. John is a writer who's been publishing short fiction for over a decade. His work has appeared in Nature Magazine, Uncanny Magazine, Weird Tales, Fireside Magazine, and many more. And while I've been posting a photo every day for years, John posted fiction to his blog every day for six years, terminating in 2014, which I think is significantly more impressive. <laughs> Than anything I've ever done. But I personally, I, it's, it's amazing. So welcome to both of you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on to Building the Oracle. I'll, I just want to open it up by asking, how many conventions have you attended, and why do you keep doing it? I definitely haven't kept track. Elsa, have you kept track? I have not kept track. <laughs> I, dozens, probably, at this point. I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, we're, we're industry professionals, so we frequently come into these in part for business. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, you're always trying to keep your contacts fresh and renew old contacts. Yeah. And like, I also just love spreading goodwill and this is like a v easy venue to do that. Yeah. Like every time I'm on a panel, I can make, I can make things brighter. I can make, 
I can make things move more smoothly. I can make the audience lighter. I've seen I've, that I've in action, that. actually. You're really, you're really out a lot. I'll also say, you know, I, I've been doing this as an educator for the last six years. I, um, you know, I get asked to come to conventions and specifically talk about disability and science fiction and fantasy. And so at least half of the conventions that I go to in a year aren't just because I want to socialize. Some of them are, but a lot of it is actually as an educator and as, as an activist working toward changing the industry to be better for people like myself. I was going to ask, is there a particular, honestly, just also off the top, because I sat in on one of John's panels and he does bring a levity to the room that is delightful but also is on the education side even within the first five minutes of I think our first conversation two days ago I feel like I learned about 10 things so you're whether or not you're trying to do it you're always doing it I feel like which is a phenomenal gift is there anything that sticks out to either of you a particular story that cemented for you the need to come back to conventions regularly uh, so this is not a science fiction and fantasy story, but it's about the importance of networking, mm. which is that in 2014, I was at Gen Con at a networking event for game designers, and I ended up on the street corner with two men who were asking me how they get more women and disabled people to submit to their tabletop designer calls. And I was like, well, listen, we don't know if you're serious. I don't, we don't know if... We don't know if we can believe you that you want us to come be working for you. And they're like, well, well, what do you want to pitch? And I was like, well, I want to pitch a project where it's about writing disabled characters and playing disabled characters at tabletop games and how to run games for disabled people. And they said, yeah, we'll buy that. They were the people who run Evil Hat. <laughs> and that is how I got the Fate Accessibility Toolkit, which is now available and is eligible for a Nebula Games Award. Congratulations. Uh, um, that's how that got published, because I just happened to be talking to people about what I love. And I think that's one of the most important things about conventions, is that you have access to people who have the power to make things happen for new creators. Yeah, I, I think I, my story is probably along a similar theme. It was I, I won't out the person, but uh, a few years ago, I, I had a rookie author who was doing very well, but was very shy about coming to conventions, and so closeted within the ableist system that she didn't want to, didn't want to disclose to the ConCom because she felt she'd be a burden. And I managed to liaise for her and make it possible for her to be on panels, which she crushed because she's a genius. But we need to sometimes build bridges for each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the first time I got to do that, and I've loved doing that sort of thing ever since. I like, I, I like doing it. I, obviously, I like being on panels, and I like making friends with people. But you don't become a friend with somebody just transactionally. You, no. you befriend somebody like, I like Elsa. I would like to do things for Elsa if I could. And I know the feeling's mutual. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be my foundation. So that bridge building, tell me more about that bridge building because I think that sounds, I know you're both very passionate about it. I've only known you for a short while, but you come across as very compassionate and generous people. Wait, tell me about, I mean, tell me about that, how that plays out in the con scene. So one of the things that I try to do is keep a seat open at the table. And that's something that both John and I try to do I've, whenever we're in a group. There's always at least one spot that's available. And we'll invite people who are new, who we don't know. You know, we try to make sure that nobody feels like they don't belong with us. If there is a closed conversation, we'll try to move it somewhere that's not in the middle of a con floor because you don't want people to feel like there are insider conversations. And sure, yeah, there are insider conversations. They do happen at conventions. But we try to make sure, I think I speak for both of us here, that people feel like they can be part of the community and that's as easy as leaving one chair that's nobody's sitting in. Yeah. And uh, 
these are not rigidly police systems, and I think to some degree that's a very good thing. We self-police as communities, and when you get more good actors in, we have more people who can be texted at short notice that like, there's a harassment issue. I need somebody I know I trust. Not a member of a concom, but a friend of mine who knows my triggers and knows my issues that I can be over in a matter of five minutes. And I'd get off a panel to help somebody. And we've both done that. Yeah, yeah. What is it that, so then there's, that takes a high level of investment, that, that level of forethought and inclusivity. Two directions with the same question. What drives that in you? From the, is there a past experience? And looking forward, what is it that you hope to create? I was raised by activists. <laughs> that'll, that'll do it. Um, my parents were members of ACT UP in New York City. I grew up going to protests from the, when I was a super tiny child. And I think that when you're raised in a community organizing setting, you ultimately learn how to put the community first. And that's an important part of who I am and where I come from. I think it was just that I was at a very understaffed Otakon when I was young, and they did not know how to handle 3,000 people. And at a certain point, I was like, you know, it'd be really cool is if I just got up and told people what was going on in the back. And I started, like, organizing, like, four or 500 people in the back of the room, helping them get out and letting them know what was known at the front of the room but wasn't mic to the back. And after that, I was like, oh, power for good. This is a great idea. Yeah. And ever since, I've just, I've, I've liked tweaking that influence, particularly in communities that I already see positivity in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to come into an incredibly toxic community and try to clean up. I'm not a janitor, yeah. <laughs> but I am a participant in a community that has a lot of lovely people who create art that enrich my life all the year around. And every time, like the reason, one of the reasons that I come to conventions is those expressions of community. Mm. John and I are not the Ghostbusters. We are not <laughs> going to come and fix your toxic communities. Yeah, that is good to know. Although I will make sure. Does make me feel good. I will say I'm not going to put. I'm not, I'm not. Who are you going to call? Not you guys. <laughs> I'll make sure to. I'll make sure to link that in the liner notes. But I, I really, I would like to just say that I've, I've seen that in the in the two of you. And one of the reasons I like Confusion specifically here in Novi is because I, it has that sense of inclusivity and availability and the ability to just kind of wander and talk and get to know people. And uh, and you have your moments, of course, like any convention. But then it seems very very overcomable and very enjoyable and it's thanks to people like you've been coming for a long time how many confusions have you guys been to this is my first one. Oh, really and this is my second one and no my way. first in this hotel yeah oh, crazy that's for some reason i figured you guys were both like long time <laughs> ex-pros of this place i think it is that the community overlaps like there yeah. are a lot of people here i know but i know them from elsewhere yeah uh, and conventions have that beautiful mix of communities there's a bunch of people i've never met before made some lovely friends today local and Canadian. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Some of the people who are here are people I've known for years, and some of them I've literally met on Tuesday. And I think that's part of what actually is important about conventions and why I keep coming back too, is that I get to build and add to the community that I already have. Sometimes that means making better friends with someone I knew but didn't have a good connection with. Sometimes that means reestablishing friendships. But I get to not just see people I like, but I actually get to build on that community and watch it evolve. One last question, because it sounds like both of you have had to go to bat for people multiple times at conventions. Is there is there just an, a never-ending slog out there to make conventions more open and welcoming, or is there a great improvement that you've seen over time? I'll be the Grinch, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, you know, every time I go to a new convention, I have to explain how service dogs work. I have been to multiple conventions where I've had to explain that, no, you actually need to use your microphone. There are deaf people here. And then I usually get, what do you mean there are deaf people here? And I have to tap my hearing aids and stare at them. <laughs> um, 
it is a constant evolving educational experience teaching communities how to play nicely with others it is not a single case where you fix something and it gets better it's it's you just have to keep educating people so i will say it is a bit of a slog but it's a worthwhile slog yeah i'm very glad that you're doing it i it because i feel like is the question is is there progress or is there a slug? It's both. Right. Like, I, when I first started going to World Fantasy, they didn't have a way for people in wheelchairs to get on stage, and they booked wheelchair uh, people who use wheelchairs to be panelists. And, and now, the last World Fantasy I've been to, it was not like that. We, we, do ha- we do see an increase in accessibility. We do see an increase in program uh, directors trying to be inclusive about uh, racial, international diversity, and disability diversity. And not just say, like, the Hispanic author will be on the Hispanic fiction panel. Now, yeah. the, things yeah. are improving, but that requires maintenance, and that requires work. And I feel like if you like the community, then that's worthwhile. It's fantastic. Thanks for coming on, you guys, to this special little bonus episode. Could I ask you to let listeners know where they could find you? And Elsa, I know, has a new book coming out that she should probably pump. So uh, you can find me everywhere on the internet with the word snarkbat, S-N-A-R-K-B-A-T. That's yes, amazing. Yes, you got that right. Uh, and I have a book coming out from Tiller Books in 2021 called Alone in the Light, which is about, it's a memoir about disability and pop culture. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. And uh, I'm easiest to find at Wiswell, W-I-S-W-E-L-L on Twitter. And I have short fiction coming out just about everywhere this year i feel kind of blessed yeah you yeah, so you're publishing around. your publishing history is impressive you should be proud you should be very I proud i edit him a lot it's great yeah it, i'm <laughs> glad you for doing that. i'm so glad the two of you are working together and thanks again for coming on the pod you guys thanks i for look, having us. look forward to having you on again someday else Welcome to this bonus episode of Building the Oracle. I'm your host, Jay Swanson, and today I'm lucky to be joined by three of the most goobery goobers that can, the con scene has to offer, Mike Underwood, Adam Rakunis, and Patrick Tomlinson. That's a very different intro than you gave us the first time. <laughs> I got to keep you humble. I mean, really. How, how, does one get, how does one get more goobery? That's what I want to know. I was actually hoping to ask you because you're, you're about you're about a peak goober and I, I need to know your secrets. You'll uh, you'll find out more about them individually in a regular episode that we recorded about the research and work that goes into world building and science fiction. But for the moment, we're going to dive in and ask immediately: Why do you guys keep attending conventions like this? Is it pure loneliness? Do you have, <laughs> do you have friends? I mean, I work from home and I have one dog and he's very cute, but he doesn't talk much. And like before I had a dog, I would go two or three days before I saw any humans that weren't my wife. Um, And I I like people and some of my absolute favorite people live all over the country and all over the world. So a lot of times conventions are just about catching up with colleagues and old friends. I totally see that. It's networking is really important in, in this industry. And if you're not making at least periodic appearances um, to, you know, see faces and shake hands and remind everyone what you look like and, uh, you know, exchange, exchange drinks and information, um, it's, it's, it does make it more difficult to stay relevant if you're not out there, you know, there's making, a social making professional links and the social links that that drive a lot of new projects and so forth. I think that's actually something that would probably concern a lot of people that are hoping to get into the publishing scene because yes, if you can't spend ten thousand dollars a year on conventions, <laughs> don't even 
Don't even think about getting into this industry. I wasn't even thinking of that term. I was just thinking like the fear, the the fear of being social. I think I think there are a lot of people that would rather just write, you know, write somewhere quiet and ship that off. Unlike Mike, not not everyone is as is a social beast. So, I mean, it can be terrifying. I'm just here for the biryani, <laughs> the Indian food across I'm just the road. Here for the Indian food, I it's mostly just being able to go and hang out with other colleagues, and eat food that I can't get at home and. Have drinks and, and commiserate on how ridiculous this entire industry is. Complain. <laughs> it is all about the complaints, Jay. That's what brings me to conventions. I can't complain to my wife. I can't complain to my daughter. I can't complain to the dogs. I can't complain to anyone else in the PTA. But I can come here and I can go and say, you know what really stinks about publishing? And then I can have six other people stay. Well, let me tell you, brother, what sticks about publishing for me. That's pretty. That's actually why I probably feel at home here is because the Parisians are known for nothing better than complaining. (laughs) So that's probably why I feel so at home here. Well, and especially I think in the U.S., there's such a culture of like, you know, be positive and like, you know, all like never show the down moments. Never let them see you bleed. Right. Exactly. Show and no weakness. In, in creative industries, there's so many ups and downs, like the level of emotional investment in art tends to be so intense. And especially in turbulent times where like economic and political factors are really up and down, being able to come together with people who are like in that same space, dealing with the same problems that you are, even if you're not on a panel talking about the things that you're all facing together, you know, at a bar, you can, you can go over stuff and talk kind of like with more sensitivity, you know, basically you, you have the conversations at the bar that you didn't, wouldn't want to have at the panel because maybe, you know, you do need to just be able to like complain for an hour about a really specific thing that you don't want getting out to the world and that the community is your support structure there. And, you know, sometimes you want to have those conversations in public. Sometimes you want to have them in private. And thank goodness our country isn't going through any sort of social or political upheaval at the moment. Right, Otherwise, things would be, be really stressful, really rocky around here. Don't don't forget economic upheaval too. Oh yes, <laughs> everything's delightfully stable. I was going to say that's the other. But Trade I mean, wars are simple and fun <laughs> and easy to win. Easy to win. The nice thing is that I mean, well, writing is lonely. I think for me, and I'll probably talk about this more at the beginning or end of this podcast. Who knows? We'll see how we edit it. But I, you know, was writing my first few books on a hospital ship in West Africa. Like I had no way to talk to anybody about this stuff. Really, I had a couple friends on the ship that were interested. So for me, walking into a convention was like, wait, you know what it's like to write and be alone and have your story not be as good as you thought it was the first time through? Tell me more about your experience. Well, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's one thing to go and have your buddies who can go say, oh, Jay, good job on the writing. It's someone else to go and say, like, tell me what's going on with your work. What's what's working for you? What's not? I mean, a convention is is a water cooler. We all have our separate cubicles, and every couple months we're all we all pop up out of the cubicles at once and you know cluster around the water cooler to talk about how our individual work is going. You can't see it, but he's drooling because every time he says water cooler, what he's really thinking of is gas station Indian food. Samosa. <laughs> Just so you know, that's Daba Kitchen at two one one. Two one one two two Haggerty Road, Northville, Michigan. Adam for smells all like doll. He really, needs. he really does. It's delicious. Mm. So, in three years, when uh, Daba Kitchen is the primary sponsor of building new, <laughs> yeah, we'll know where it came from. <laughs> I will. I will make sure to share the samosa wealth with you, Adam. I get ten percent. Ten percent of every samosa. Because we all met at the WorldCon in Spokane. At that point, with your books coming out, with Pat's book frustratingly not being in paper yet, and Adam's being in paper, which will probably come up to the end of time. What has your has your relationship with 
conventions changed and evolved as your careers have changed. Yeah, I mean, the, my relationship with conventions has, has definitely changed just because, I mean, I'm about to have my sixth book published now. My career has matured, and the sorts of conversations that I'm having with people are very different than they used to be. It's not so much that I'm talking to different people, because frankly, in these settings, most people are pretty on the level, and they're open to talk to just about anybody about just about anything. But now, in, instead of having aspirational conversations, I'm having very down-to-earth professional conversations about, you know, how to tackle specific problems, who to take them to, who's looking for what to publish, you know, and how to how to approach certain things, how to expand into other types of media, you know, because, like, there's quite a few people around here, uh, the convention here right now, that are they're not only doing books, but then they're also doing, uh, they're doing comics, and they're, they're writing, writing for TV, or they're writing screenplays, and it's like, well, now I'm writing screenplays, and I have questions about those processes, and now I can get them answered from people who've been doing it for a while. So it's not so much that my purpose for being here has changed, but the the nature of the conversations has matured quite a bit. Mike, you've gone through a pretty significant career shift since yeah. I met you. You used to be a marketing and sales manager for a publisher, and now you are a full-time writer man. Does that change writer how you... Man? Yeah, writer man. Writer man. Yeah. It, never a writer can. Adjectives and ever, sorry, my <laughs> no, that was, that was no that's now I have a theme song. Uh, <laughs> Adam demands royalties. Oh, absolutely, because fair labor practices. It's well, uh, yeah, and also the royalties on zero dollars is pretty easy to pay off. I mean, you could say that. I was trying to be more supportive. Oh, look out, Rider Man. Um, but yeah, like Ingrid Robot would send me to conventions, or more accurately, I picked conventions and pitched them to my boss and he said yeah that sounds like a good idea which is how i was able to be at so many cons and really doing the grind like the the day in day out hourly grind of trying to get books by people at the you know who published with a robot in front of people helping those authors develop the skills of being able to hand sell their own stuff hand sell other people's work get used to the con ecosystem so i spent a number of years where a lot of what I was doing at cons was externally focused. It was about helping the career of other people, and it, I learned a lot from it. Um, now I'm able to be a little bit more selfish, and I think the biggest difference in terms of conventions is I think about what I want out of a convention going into it. So when I go to the Origins Game Fair, I'm focusing on sales, I'm focusing on reaching new readers. I'm at Confusion, more of my focus is on having those bar conversations about where the industry is, how people are solving problems, how they're dealing with things as they come up, and catching up and maintaining friendships that are now like moving toward being like a decade old or, or longer in, in some cases since I've been coming to SFFCon since about 2005 and publishing novels since 2012. So I think about any given con in terms of what do I want from it and what can I get out of it? Who am I going to be able to connect with and or kind of add value for in terms of connecting with people and you know, certain cons? I try to be on the lookout for new writers and be at least a little bit of a mentor or uh, kind of a door opener for them in terms of connecting people because um, I needed that when I was younger. And I know that the field is stronger when more people feel like they're welcome and can add their their kind of individual perspective to what's going on. 
Adam, you've gone through some pretty big changes too, and you your writing is unfortunately taking a little bit of a backseat to larger ambitions within the the legal structure of the country. What are you What are you here for besides Indian food? Like, there's got to be not. I'm not, but I'm just saying. Like, there's. I'm Can't so. Can be enough? It is definitely enough. Good Indian food, like Richard was saying, is so hard to find uh, in Paris. But I mean, like, there's you're clearly getting a lot out of this. And I see you talking with a lot of people who, with whom you've built good relationships. And I think one of the things that I'm impressed about with you is to see how many people I feel like you've created genuine friendships with. Um, I imagine just over the uh, last five years, genuine. I mean, well, you, yeah. you know, I mean, you come don't... on bestie, you know, we're buddies <laughs> genuinely. Part of it's because I, I try to make a point of, I know this is going to sound all happy, sunshiny. I try to make a one new friend at every convention I go to. I have never really been a fan of the idea of like, you go to a, sh- you go to a convention because you're going to network and you're going to put your name out there. You're going to meet all these pe- people. You're going to build a network. And you know what? I know networks work for some people, but they feel kind of icky and creepy and transactional. And I don't think they last very long either. Well, they have to be built organically. What? Networks. Yes. You're, you're building relationships and then the networks follow, not the other way around. Well, that's the problem. I think people go and think like you're going to, you build the network and right, right. maybe you become friends. But I, I, I would I always rather take the opposite tack. I'm here to go and see old friends make at least one new one because, again, we're all these solitary moles working away at, our, at the word minds and it's nice to know that you're not alone out there. And a, a professional contact may leave you in the dust if your book bombs. Yeah. A, friend a friend will buy you a drink you. and help you figure out where to go next. Right. That is a great note to end on, actually. I love that. And I'm really grateful. I hope to have your friendships now that I'm making presumptions across the table, but I bought you drinks, so technically you are, according to what Mike just said. We're friends, Jay. Yay! Okay. That makes me feel good. <laughs> where can the people on the internet find you guys in rapid fashion? I'm at giro.org, G-I-R-O.org. Sign up for my mailing list where you can read about all kinds of other stuff. I'm on Twitter, not really, but Rack Daddy. Know, Rack Daddy at Twitter, but you know, it's not really worth it. Go to Jiro.org. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Stealthy Geek and see me do takedowns of major public figures almost daily. And you can also find me on uh, Instagram at PS Tomlinson. You can see pictures of my adorable dog Oreo at Mike R. Underwood on Instagram and follow my uh, professional writing uh, via Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael R. Underwood. Fantastic. I'm joined now by Cameron Hurley, one of the illustrious guests of honor here at Confusion. She is a Hugo Award-winning author, among many other awards that she's racked up over the years, whose World Breaker saga has just been completed and the release with the release of the third and final edition, The Broken Heavens. You can find out more about her in a full-length episode that we recorded discussing making it as a creative. And she's a fellow Patreon junkie who puts out a short story there every month for her patrons. If you aren't already supporting her there, go do that right now. Welcome to Building the Oracle, Cameron Hurley. Hello! Good to have you back so immediately because it's like it's totally not like we just recorded these at the same time. No, no, no. It's amazing. It's magic. The magic of of radio. It's so great. Basically, I, it's radio. I love magic being on radio. It's the best. Uh, we'll just kind of open it up with a basic question, a simple front end of this, which is how many conventions do you end up attending in a year as a writing professional? And how often do you have the joy of traveling with your delightful husband? <laughs> um, I 
I, I cap myself. My, I, I don't want to do more than four a year. I think this year we are taking some time off. And so I only did one this year and that was uh, Confusion. Again, I, I was uh, on GOH at Confusion and um, <clears throat> Guest of Honor. So we did that because again, they're they're paying for it. We don't have to worry about anything out of pocket and it's very near to where we live. But, you know, I just came back. I did a book tour in Spain and which was a couple of events um, last year and then some then con their confusion and other things and it just got to be a little bit much so we are trying to focus on making shit uh this year and yeah you know usually my husband can come with me i think there were a couple of times where for you know whatever reason that he couldn't but it, i love to have him there just because he's a good um social tank in that he's he's very friendly and wonderful and everyone loves him and when i'm exhausted and introverted um, he can he can kind of take over <laughs> and do his thing. So. He also has a fantastic taste in Technicolor dream coats. So yes, he does, yeah. doesn't he? I was yeah, really I impressed. I think more, more by his <laughs> more by the coat than anything. Um, no, he is delightful. And so, like with with that, you limit yourself to four of these a year. And but you're traveling across the country. I mean, I've I the first time I ever met you was in Spokane, and then I think I saw you again like in New York at a convention. And so you're, you're all over the place. Like that to me says that they must be worth it to you. What is it? What are the, what are the benefits that you, you have from taking part in these uh, conventions? There are a few things. Um, I remember being told when I'm to Clarion, the Clarion writing workshop when I was 20. So 20 years ago now. Um, and David Hartwell, who then uh, we know was a senior editor uh, at Tor Books, actually told us all, you know, hey, it's really beneficial to go to conventions because you get to meet authors, um, you get to, you know, make connections, you meet editors, blah, blah, blah. And I tried to go to a convention and it sucked. It really sucked. <laughs> I didn't know anyone. I felt it was very insular. It was kind of horrible. But I think I think it was when I started going to Wiscon, um, which is a feminist convention, and that felt a little bit more my style. Uh, and it, it had not only did it have stuff that I was interested in, but I had like-minded people, right? Um, conventions are one of those things that are good for um, making in-person connections. I will never forget. I actually went to a reader con, and my agent said, "Hey, I want you to meet this editor." because this editor tends to buy only authors they've actually met. <laughs> oh, right. And I'm like, well, that sounds silly, but sure enough, she introduced me. It was literally just a high buy kind of thing. And, and lo and behold, uh, they made an offer on my next book. So it's weird, right? It's weird. Yeah. The same with, you know, the mirror empire. Uh, I had actually flown to do world fantasy con in Brighton and I actually sat at the table with um, Lee Harris and Mike Underwood, who were then with Angry Robot Books. And uh, when my next book was uh, sent out, we had exactly one offer, and it was from Angry Robot. <laughs> Yay, personal I, connections. Yeah, so it's like, so it's one of those things, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it can help. And it's with, with the, all of these things that... Um, can affect you getting a book deal or not. It's like when something, when somebody's on the fence about something, should we get this or should we not? Um, sometimes that makes the difference. Sometimes it doesn't even matter. Um, but I have found uh, it worthwhile for those reasons. That said, I am trying to do more that now that I'm kind of more established, I would rather do things that they pay for me to come out. Um, Cause at this point I've met a lot of people, it's wonderful, but I have, you know, lots of other commitments. 
Um, so I think if you go into it and you have to go into it, not thinking that you're networking, right? You're there to make friends. Uh, and I have made a lot of great friends, uh, at cons as well. Um, I now have a Slack channel with a bunch of other mid-career writers. In fact, we caught up the confusion. It was wonderful uh, to see everybody in person. And I wouldn't have had that network without going to conventions and meeting these authors and, um, you know, get, buying each other drinks and all of that. So uh, I think it, it really isn't only about, hey, oh, look, it's easier to get a book deal. It also is about finding peers so that you can get support because it's a really hard business. So, yeah, oh. so I find it worth it, but only to a certain extent, right? Um, don't, don't spend thousands and thousands of dollars a year. Uh, if there's something local that you can go to and connect with people, great. Uh, but don't, don't think that you have to do it. It's just kind of an extra bonus. Yeah. And I think that for me, I know that it's the social element and like that professional connection to just mm -hmm. make friends with other people who get it was mm -hmm. really, really valuable. And I think one of the things that I took away from confusion now that I've uh, flown back to Paris is also like it's it's interesting to see I'm curious to to hear what you think about the evolution of both your relationship with conventions but also if you see things changing internally with them because some of them are getting pretty old like they're like 50 years old or older um the conventions themselves have been going on for a really long time they have their own personalities each one is different I, I like confusion because it feels like there are just a lot of writers wandering around and uh, it's a pretty chill environment in which to meet people that might otherwise be a little bit difficult to, uh, you know, have some bar con time with sometime hanging out at the, at the bar. Um, but what I, the tone of the conversations I had this time, I, I think it was really like the last time I went to confusion, like five years ago, four or five years ago, something like that. Everybody was very excited, very accessible, very like, I don't know, there was a really positive energy to it. And this time around, I felt like there were a lot of people who felt like the, the conversations I had felt like a lot of people felt like they were spinning their wheels. And I know that writers don't get a lot of opportunity to get around a water cooler and, uh, you know, complain about work and life. And that there's always a level of complaining involved because that's natural. But like, I felt like there was a little bit of a shift. And I was curious if you saw that too yeah. as, or not and what your, what your thoughts were on that. I don't, I don't feel, especially about confusion. I don't feel that way. Um, mostly because I know what I'm going there to do. I'm going there to hang out with other writers and to reconnect with them. I'm not necessarily going there to, I mean, there are fans there and it's wonderful and it's great. Always good to meet them, but uh, I'm not there because it gives me like a, a big platform for which to sell more books. Absolutely not. Right. I'm not, that's not what it's for. Um, you do the big ones, like the the Gen Cons, the Dragon Cons, the Comic Cons, even to some extent World Cons uh, for that reason. So I think it really depends on what the purpose is, what like what what do you want to achieve from this particular convention? Yeah. Um, are you there to connect with fans? Um, are you there? Convergence is another great fan convention if you want to. Um, it's pretty chill. They have a lot of awesome cosplayers. It's uh, very well attended. Uh, that's somewhere where you would go to, hey, I want to promote you know, for lack of a better term, promote my work. Um, but for the most part, you know, conventions, uh, the way that I see them is as professional sort of networking events. Uh, and so for me, uh, I don't feel I'm swimming around. That, that said, I do think my experience as an established author is way different, right, than a newer author, than an emerging writer and their experience coming to a convention. And that needs to be clear as well, is there are some things I don't see anymore 
um, because I am established enough that, oh, I'm talking to my friends. And, and so I don't see something. So keep that in mind too. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us here. Do you, where on the internet would you like people to find you? Sure. You can find me at CameronHurley.com. That's Cameron with a K. Um, my Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Cameron Hurley, or I'm very active on Twitter at Cameron Hurley. Fantastic. Thanks, Cameron. Awesome. Thank you. All right. And I'm back in Paris now. That was fantastic. We actually recorded the conversation with Cameron after the fact because she had to run very early out of the convention because it was dumping snow and she had to hit the road with her husband. So she was gracious enough to schedule a call with us later. And definitely tune in for conversations with some of these people. We have three different episodes that came out of this experience that we're really looking forward to sharing, talking about all kinds of things that are not conventions. But we thought it was a good opportunity to stop and really take advantage of the momentum coming out of the convention. And I really wish that Richard could have been there. It would have been so much more fun if he'd, if he'd joined. Next to you, buddy. I would have loved to have been there too. Sounds like you had a lot of fun. And right now I'm going to uh, take the opportunity to, to sort of swing the tables and, and talk to you about, well, kind of the same questions you asked those. But we're going to then also discuss what we got out of this for our project and, and why was this worth doing and, and uh, what can we use from it to go forward. So first of all, I guess let's talk a bit about your own experience with conventions. Yeah. You know, how many conventions have you been to? When did you start and, and why did you originally start going to conventions? We were actually trying to enumerate this for my for my my nonfiction book about my life. And I don't know that we ever came up with a final solution, but I think I've got to have been to close to 10 at this point. I had a job where I was uh, working as a consultant. I was traveling around the country already. And because they had to fly me home every weekend and I didn't have a home, I just flew wherever I wanted every weekend. And so I would go visit friends in different parts of the country. That's how I saw a lot of the United States was because I just had this weekend ticket to kind of anywhere. And conventions, as they started popping up in my life and as I was trying to promote Into the Nanton and trying to get, you know, in front of sci-fi fantasy readers, were just a really fun way to, to drop in for a weekend and, and see some people and hang out. And so it was really scary at first. The first one I did, I overdid and I volunteered and I bought space in the art show and I took a, a table in the artist alley and I was really hustling to try and just get in front of whoever I could and found it was very difficult. That was a world's con. I found it was very difficult to get anybody to be remotely interested in what I was doing. I got some traction. I met some people, but what was most valuable that came out of that was I met Mike Underwood, who you heard on today's episode and uh, through the Reddit fantasy community, who we'll also be connecting with in the future. And you know, just met these amazing people, these internet people, these Redditors, and then Mike, and he introduced me to a bunch of other authors. And for me, that was really important because walking out of a, a lonely writing experience, whether that was in West Africa, finished my first book in an abandoned teaching college in South Africa, out in the middle of just a bunch of beautiful rolling hills and like, yeah, just empty, vacant old college buildings that echoed whenever you went anywhere. I went from that experience and from then traveling in the country a little bit as well, all by myself and writing to having some writing friends who understood what it was like to live that lonely lifestyle and what some of the challenges were. And so for me, the, the real value of the convention scene was so much more about grabbing a drink and commiserating and also being encouraged and getting excited about other people's work um, than it was about anything else. Yeah. And that, I think that is very similar to what, uh, you know, listening to the conversations you had in uh, 
in confusion. Uh, very similar. He doesn't know if it's Novi or Novi either. <laughs> um, they they all had they all very much came out with a similar thing, which was it's it's about uh, whether they call it networking or, or building relationships, right. uh, the friendships you build, and and the importance of those as a writer to maintain those and and have at least a point of contact that isn't digital, isn't online. You actually physically have contact with uh, with other people in that space who understand what you're going through. There is an advantage to having those physical uh, relationships, whether you know beyond just the the person interpersonal uh, benefit. There, there is actually a benefit to your career because of the opportunities that it came up with. So, um, what are some of the opportunities that you've you've picked up in the past from the conventions? Is there anything you can point to directly that uh, that a convention has actually materially helped your your career as a writer? Well, I think that just the it opened the doors for a couple of potential book deals. Those book deals we've talked about before that never came through, came through relationships and came through um, doors opening as publishers saw me hustling and saw it, got a taste from my work. Um, but I think really in terms of like the, the relationships that have grown that have been, uh, had some level of mentorship, like Dave Robison, I met that way uh, with the, the Roundtable podcast. And he's been, you know, indispensable. I wish I had more Dave time in my life. Um, and Mike Underwood's another person who he just has a wealth of knowledge and, and experience and uh, is just always a perspective that's been beneficial to bring in. All the people that were on the pod today, it's the same kind of thing. It's like you you meet people. And for me, I, I agree with what Adam was saying about wanting to make friends first and then see what comes from that later. And I also go into conventions. And what I try to tell people is that you go in with a sense of generosity, not a sense of what can I get out of this? Like for me, I was trying, obviously I was trying to huck my books, but I was also going in volunteering and I was trying to make connections and trying to encourage people and trying to push people in you know a good direction or just help them in whatever way I could buy their book when I met them or buy them a meal if they you know were hungry and um, for me I think that that's the most important and it's just kind of like making friendships anywhere is go in give expect nothing in return and whatever comes from that you're going to be lucky you know to get to get anything out of it and and if you go into it not expecting much or anything then at least you're hopefully a force for good in the midst of these circles and uh as long as you're taking care of yourself yep. at the same time then it should be a good thing yeah i liked saying that i think it was mike said that uh that if you're able to lift one person up like lift up a whole community it benefits everybody i think that attitude came across from everyone we talked to today yeah uh or, you know, everyone you talked to in, the, in, the, boats, in this yeah. episode yeah um so i guess uh, the next thing i want to ask is you there's a very big difference between, I think, the motivations or, or what we um, aim to get out of this confusion uh, compared to when you're originally going, like if I, you know, the first times you were going to conventions. So, yeah. um, walk us through what what was the plan? What was the you know what were we trying to get out of this particular convention? Yeah, well, I think that for me, in the past, it was definitely trying to make friends and trying to just disseminate information to people that existed in this one we were hoping i think there was a light hope for sure i printed off some stuff to hand out and whatever else and adam forgot to bring my ribbons adam, adam. um but the, um, we'll just hold on to that one forever because it's fun but uh you know i i also knew going into it that odds odds weren't great that we were gonna find a, a much bigger listenership from going it was more because we had there was a concentration of people that we know and respect that was like, oh, we can sit down and talk with these people and make a podcast episode or three or four. Uh, and that was a really cool opportunity. Also, just to kind of check it out again, like go back. I haven't been to a, a convention in years. 
because I've been in Paris and struggling to survive here, you know. So that was also really cool to go to go check in on them. So there was for me there was a personal and a productive reason to go. There wasn't it was so it was very different in that sense. And I got a real sense of like I was so I came out of it so motivated and so grateful for what we already have and what we're already doing here. That's another reason why we wanted to make sure to pump our patrons at the beginning was because uh, thanks to where we're already at, we, we have the ability to do some of these things, which we, I would not have been, I wasn't, you know, would not have been able to do one, two years ago, let alone for so much of my career. And so moving forward, I think like you said, like, we'll see you next year. We, we have to have an ongoing discussion within our team as to like, where, what do we, do we want to go to anything like this again in the future? Do we want to jump in? What are the conditions for that? What are we hoping to get out of it? What are we hoping to put into it? How are we going to add to the tide that raises all ships, raises all boats? But how are we also going to make sure that uh, it's not a time sink? Because it does take a lot of time and resources and jet lag and everything else to do something like this. So that's time that could be spent making more videos or podcasts or writing books or doing whatever it is that we, we could be creating for other people. So that's another consideration to have going into it as well. Yeah. But I mean, I do just want the gas station Indian food too. Oh man, that is not a joke. <laughs> we, the story, I think you hear the story in the longer, you'll hear the full story, but it's basically, we walked across the street five years ago in a snowstorm to try and find some snacks because we were desperate for something that wasn't hotel lobby food. And uh, we walked into this gas station and lo and behold, there was a, a full Indian restaurant in the corner and it was delicious. And it is now an obsession slash tradition at Confusion. So there's confusion. That. I bet they're upset that I'm saying confusion. I bet it's just confusion, but like I got to emphasize the con part. I don't know. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's definitely um, to go back before my uh, my Indian comment. You know that that's what we're going to be doing is is analyzing. You know, we we have to figure out where we spend our resources and and what the benefit is. But it sounds like for this particular event, uh, you've come back far more energized. I think there were some surprising takeaways that you had from it. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think that when you know when you say you've come back energized and motivated, I think that's really. Um, the real effect of, of going and, and going and meeting with friends and, and catching up and those relationships. I mean, those relationships can be energizing and yeah. that is a value in its own right. And just reconnecting with that community and seeing that, you know, the struggles you have or, or the, the issues that you've got trying to monetize being an author yeah. uh, is shared by everyone and, and, and hearing what other people are doing. I think talking to Cameron Hurley about how much she's diversifying, uh, you know, how much content she writes, how she diversifies that. These, these things, these tidbits you pick up and tips from other people I think are very worthwhile. But um, yeah, I just want to say, I think you, uh, there were great conversations. I, I think it was really worthwhile, um, the, the con. And uh, and I do hope I get to try out the Indian food at some point in the future. We'll get you there one of these days. Uh, thanks for listening to this special episode, everybody. We, uh, we might do more of these in the future. If you let us know, feel free to drop us a line. You can tweet at me at Jay Swanson or at Richard, which is Rich. Bilky? What is it? Rich underscore Bilky. Rich underscore Bilky. Anyways, thanks for listening to this episode. Let, let us know. So yeah, just tweet at us. Let us know if you listened, if you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear it. And just so you know, we're going to be dropping our next podcast one day early because it's going to come out in conjunction with my next French Friday with our wonderful guest and our friend, Lindsay Tremuda. Thanks for listening.
Today's podcast was made possible by our magnanimous patrons whose contributions directly impact our work here as well as the future of the project. They are the best. Building the Oracle is mixed and produced by Zach Egan, co-hosted by Richard Bilkey, mascotted proudly by his four-legged friend Gustav, and is written and hosted by yours truly. Our theme music is Glory by David Cutter, and our ad music is Light, also by David Cutter, who you can also find and support directly on Patreon. And our newsletter is Assembled with Love by our own Kate Weber. Don't forget that you can support us at patreon.com slash jswanson for the moment. Keep listening for the new one in not too distant future. Whenever that itch grows too strong to resist, don't forget to rate and review Building the Oracle on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Where Gustav will chew through your copy of Lord of the Rings. Gustav, we've talked about this. And my name is Jay Swanson, and thank you again for listening. Tune back in next week for our next guest, Lindsay Tremuda. Until then, keep making rad shit.